So Money episode 400, Ask Farnoosh with special guest Sophia Barra. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. So Money is brought to you today by Wealthfront, the most tax-efficient, low-cost, hassle-free way to invest. Visit Wealthfront.com forward slash So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. April 15th, 2016. If you're worried about your taxes because you think it's tax day, because normally it is on April 15th, well, good news. You have until Monday to file your taxes and get those papers into Uncle Sam. And today on So Money, we're dedicating a large part of the show to taxes, you know, getting some of your last minute questions answered and also the all too important question of what to do with your tax refund. The average tax refund, I think, is around $3,000 to $3,000. So that's not, you know, chump change. You can do some significant things with that, whether you're in debt or you want to start a business or you want to just, you know, have fun, you know, go on a vacation, buy a car, what to do. And so to help us with all of that and more, I brought back on our friend of So Money, Sophia Barra. She is the founder of Gen Y Planning. It's a financial planning service for people primarily in their 20s and 30s all across the country. She's my friend. She's excellent at what she does. Check her website out at genyplanning.com. Sophia, are you there? I am. I'm so excited to be here, Farnoosh. It's great to be back. Thank you. And I hear you've moved since we last spoke. Where are you right now? I have. So I moved to Austin, Texas in December, and I absolutely love it here. It's fabulous. What made you want to move to Austin? Because one of the things that you really liked about your career, your work, was that you were location agnostic. You were like, I could live anywhere. And you were floating for a while. You were going from city to city, getting a different flavor of every kind of geographical region, but you landed in Austin. What ultimately made you want to make the move? Is it affordable? Yeah, um, it's actually very, it's almost, um, so I was living in Minneapolis before. I was kind of based out of Minneapolis and the cost of living is actually really similar, but the weather is way better. So um, I'm very happy in Austin. When people ask me why I move, I tell them entrepreneurs, breakfast tacos, and pool parties. That's <laughs> I feel like those are three really good reasons to move. Um, but yeah, I, I just ended up connecting with some great friends down here. A lot of people here are uh, working at startups, run online businesses. And uh, it just was a really good fit for me in terms of the community. So that was really exciting. And then, you know, I just, I can't, I can't complain about the weather. It's been in the 80s the past few days. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I just, I'm, I'm loving that. That's uh, great. Yeah. I can't say the same for us in New York. It's been pretty <laughs> awful. I mean, hopefully the sun will come out one day and the snow will subside. In the meantime... I can cozy up to you and I can dream about Austin. You just have to come visit Farnoosh. I was actually there for South by Southwest. And prior to that, we were there filming for my CNBC show, Follow the Leader. John Paul DeJoria lives in Austin. Oh, very cool. I didn't know that. Yes, yes. All right, Sophia, it's April 15th. I'm going to just take a guess that a lot of us have not 
filed our taxes yet as uh, as procrastination is uh, rampant around this season. What are some last minute tips for people who are just getting started? They have 72 so, hours. <laughs> so one thing to note is that you can file an extension. And I would encourage people to file an extension rather than sloppily do your taxes. So file an extension and do them right, you know, get them done right. Ask for help if you need to. I really think that getting a good tax professional on your team can be extremely helpful when, when you're making, um, these decisions around, around your money and your finances. And the last thing you want is a tax heir that, um, is a, you know, a mistake that the IRS catches that then you have to go back and amend your taxes. So make sure that they're done right the first time, file an extension if you need to, um, or, you know, ask for help, reach out to a CPA or a tax accountant that you know and trust. I filed an extension. Yes, I did. Yeah. Even though I'm the host of a podcast called So Money. Well, I have my business taxes and I have my personal taxes. My business taxes got filed a while ago, but my personal um waited. It was just because I wanted um like you said I wanted to have more time with my accountant to really go over the uh deductions and she was overwhelmed as well. It's no problem. I've already paid my taxes, which is important, right? We want to mention if you even if you get the extension, you still have to if you think you owe money, pay your taxes by exactly. April 18th. So just be cautious of that. Yeah. So if you think you're going to get a refund, you know, if you know you're going to get a refund, then filing an extension isn't that big of a problem. But if you know that you owe, you still need to pay your tax bill by April 18th. So don't just file and think that that extends the the due date for when your taxes are due because it doesn't and you'll be hit with fees and penalties for that. So I think that that's a really great point. Last year or the year before, I had to file an extension. So I I was you know, I was in the same boat. There's just some years that that happens. And so just to know that that's, um, that's okay, but just to make sure that, like you said, you're going over the, your return with your accountant, you're making sure you get all the deductions you qualify for, and you're doing them the right the first time around. Right. You mentioned earlier that, you know, one of the big reasons why you would want to file an extension is so that you avoid mistakes. What are some of the big mistakes that people make other than the little ones, like I, people really spell their names wrong. They put the wrong address. If you got married and you forgot, or you just have been so used to doing your taxes <laughs> in a certain way, you know, filing single instead of married, those things happen. So it's worth just checking those little things. Um, but what about the big things? What do people overlook? I think that taxes can be very overwhelming and complicated and just making sure that you're getting the deductions and that the tax and the tax credits that you qualify for. Um, so student loan interest deduction, depending on your income, you could deduct up to $2,500 a year in student loan interest, which is a big one for millennials. Um, one of my favorite tax credits is called the savers credit. And depending on your income, you could actually get a tax credit for contributing to your retirement accounts. So that's one big one that I think that people overlook. Um, there's other tax credit credits as well for going back to school. Let's say you started taking some classes, but because you're just going part-time, you don't think, oh, you know, I could get a tax credit for this or I could get a tax deduction for this because, you know, maybe you've already have your undergrad degree or whatnot. Um, but there are tax credits out there available and tax deductions out there for going back to school. So make sure you look into that as well. So those are a few things that come to mind when I think of, you know, things that, that especially, um, you know, young people qualify for that they might overlook. What about getting that last minute help? Right now, CPAs are 
busy. They're not going to work with you. So what's the next best solution if you need assistance and you don't want to file an extension? So there are VITA clinics across the country, which stands for Volunteer Income Tax Assistance. And those are fantastic. They are staffed with CPAs, tax accountants, and financial planners to help you with your tax situation. And they're specifically for low to moderate income workers. But I would definitely go online, find a VITA clinic in your area and see if you qualify because depending on if, you know, if you're single versus married or if you're the head of household, they have different income limits. Um, I would start there. Because that's really affordable. Sometimes they'll even do your taxes for free. When I had first graduated from college, um, I heard about these and I ended up finding one in my area and getting my taxes done there for free. And I thought it was such a fantastic service and so exciting. Um, it's a, it's a great place. The place I went to in Minnesota is called Prepare and Prosper. They do a fantastic job. They're in Minneapolis. And, and St. Paul. And they did such a great job and they helped me through, you know, uh, my situation, which to me was really complicated and overwhelming. And to them was, you know, something that they were used to seeing, you know, throughout all of tax season, right, is dealing with people's returns right. and, and whatnot. Um, and they were able to really make ease my mind, know that my taxes were done correctly. And now I, I try to send them a donation every year so oh, that nice. somebody else can, yeah, so that somebody else can get their taxes done for free because that helped me so much at a time when I really needed it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say to start there. And then if you are more, um, you know, moderate to higher income, you know, H&R Block is a really, you know, blanketed solution across the country. Um, if you want to do your own taxes, TurboTax, you know, if you've done them before, if you just have like W-2s and some maybe um, some, you know, 1099 interest, it, it might be worth it to just do it yourself. But I still think that people's tax situation is more complicated than most people realize. Um, and so especially if you're a freelancer or you have multiple income streams or you have a rental property. Um, there's different things that can, can make our tax lives complicated. If you're a high income earner, you know, to, to watch out for, um, you know, other, other things that are happening in terms of that could affect your, your tax situation as well. You know, making sure that, um, that you're, you're paying, I, um, sometimes you might be subject to AMT, which is the alternative minimum tax. So making sure that your taxes were done correctly and that if you had to pay AMT, that you paid AMT. So those are some things to be aware of uh, when you're thinking about your taxes and, and reaching out for help. Um, and also to, to talk to your friends about who they're using, who they recommend, if they've yes. had a good experience with their accountant. Um, talk to your, if you have a financial planner, like for my clients, I refer all my clients to a CPA or a tax accountant or an EA that's within my network that I really trust that's helped, you know, a bunch of my clients in the past. And so I think that that's part of building a, a solid financial team. And um, a tax accountant is a great person to have on that team. Okay, let's answer the big question everybody wants answered, which is what do I do with my refund? Yeah, that's exciting. So first of all, you got a refund. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> Although, are you in that camp of of kind of like experts that thinks that if you got the refund, you did something wrong, maybe withholding, I don't know, more or less or whatever it is? Yeah, I'm it depends on how much your refund is. 
So I think that if you're, you know, if you are getting a couple of thousand dollars back, it might be worth it to change your tax withholding so that you get more of that throughout the year. Um, however, I think a lot of it comes down to behavioral finance too. If it's better for you to get a lump sum once a year and you know, you know that you'll use that money then towards your financial priorities, it might not be better to spread that out throughout the year. If it's just going to get eaten up in your normal cash flow versus if you would actually use that $3,000 tax refund to pay off a credit card or build up emergency savings or whatnot. So I think that it largely depends more on the person. Uh, what would you do with your tax refund right now? Oh, so I'm actually getting a refund for Anoush, which is really exciting. Do you normally not? (laughs) Um, well, I didn't think I was this year because I had made estimated payments and whatnot, but I had a lot of business deductions. And so I had more business deductions than my tax accountant had anticipated. So I'm going to get a pretty big refund. Um, and I'm going to use mine to max out my Roth IRA this year for 2016. How boring is that? (laughs) I know. Isn't that super boring? Um, I also, but I think, you know, for me, it's like, I would rather do that than have to put a couple hundred dollars every month into my Roth IRA. I love that it's like, check the box off and it's done. Um, So for me, I know that that works really well. I also think that, you know, taking 10% and, and splurging or spending it on something you really want is totally appropriate. So, you know, if you can use the majority of your tax refund to go towards your financial priorities, it's okay to, you know, go go out on a date night with your significant other or throw, you know, half of it into your um, emergency savings and half into the vacation savings or do, you know, do something like that. Um, I also think that, that it's a good way to kind of check off some of those big financial goals. Maybe you just have a couple thousand dollars left on a credit card and you want to just knock that credit card debt out and, um, you know, be able to, to, you know, start fresh this year, not, you know, not have that credit card debt, um, and really start then earmarking the money that you were paying. If you're paying a couple hundred dollars a month towards your credit card debt, immediately have that go to your emergency savings every month. Very good advice. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 77 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business, and it all starts with a stunning website. With hundreds of designer-made customizable templates to choose from, the drag-and-drop editor, there's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy, too busy, too busy worrying about your budget, your scheduling appointments, or to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your own website today. The result will be stunning. All right. Ready to answer some questions from listeners. We actually do have a question from Lindsay who it's a tax related question, not about refunds, but she's kind of concerned about her identity, her financial identity, and maybe it being compromised. So here's what she says. She says that she has a potential problem, exclamation point. (laughs) Here's what's going on. She somehow misplaced 
the tax information of her and her husband's tax information, including their W-2s. Um, she said, luckily, we have already entered all that information, but I'm freaking out that someone else may have found my tax information. I've already checked my husband and uh, my own credit report. Nothing is out of the ordinary, but I think you mentioned to someone that you can notify the credit reporting companies in the event that you feel your ta- your your credit might be compromised. Please help. Thank you for this podcast and the Ask Varnoosh episodes. You've answered two questions for me so far and helped me immensely. Well, Lindsay, happy to help you with this third question. Definitely, I think she should put a fraud alert, maybe, can't hurt, on her credit profile and, and also her husband's. Um, right. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. And, and just really keep your eye out because tax fraud is rampant, unfortunately. Yeah. My parents had an issue with that a few years back where somebody tried to they, they couldn't e-file and like their tax accountant was like, well, we're having a problem e-filing. And it was because somebody had tried to use one of their social security numbers to file. So just like weird stuff like that happens. Um, and I think that putting a, a fraud alert um, is a great idea. You can get LifeLock, which there's different programs out there to help monitor your credit. I, I think, you know, pulling a copy of your credit reports in a couple months just to take a look at everything is, is never a bad idea. Um, and could be really helpful just to make sure there's nothing strange that pops up. Um, and, and I think that, you know, just taking those, those simple precautions, like you said, um, you know, can be, can be really helpful. That way, if somebody tries to open, um, a credit card in your name that, the fraud alert would be on there and the credit card company would contact you before um, issuing that. Mm, yeah. Let's hope that it's not in the wrong hands. Most likely it's not. Hopefully it's just, a, you know, somewhere where you will eventually find it or someone will find it and just maybe shred it or um, hopefully just leave it there. But uh, you're good to be cautious. And so the best t- st- step I think is just to be proactive and, and keep a, a, a watch on your finances, your credit your credit reports, and also file your taxes on time because that's going to ensure that if anyone wants to fake file taxes under your name, that um, you do it first. And that way they're the ones that are going to get caught and rejected. Right. All right. Jackie's great advice. Yeah. It's happened to my friend and uh, it takes a long time to unravel tax Mm -hmm. fraud. It does. Yeah. Okay. Jackie writes in and she says, um, this is a non-tax related question, but you are a financial advisor. So it's very apropos. She says, can you recommend a financial advisor? I live in Florida. Um, well, we'll help you as best we can, but she has more to her question. She says, can I lower my income by putting money in my 401k or my HSA? I'm asking because I have to pay Uncle Sam again this year. So she's not getting a refund. Last year we paid and went into work and changed from married to married deducted as single. Does that make sense to you? Maybe I'm... Um, yep. Married. Or So it would be... Um, she's just basically changing her exemptions to um, like... Married to married deduct as single. Yeah. Like filing a single. So basically um, they withhold more in your uh, paychecks each month. Um, you're withholding like you're a single person as opposed to like a married person. Right. So... Um, mm-hmm. And she says, I don't want to deduct more... I hope you can help us. So one, she needs a financial advisor. And two, wondering if she can lower her income. 
yes, any money that you put into your HSA or your 401k is tax deductible. So basically you're funding those accounts with pre-tax dollars. So if you make $100,000 a year and you put $10,000 into your 401k, you're only paying taxes on $90,000. And that's a huge way to lower your tax bill, especially for a higher income earner. So as you're moving from the 15% tax bracket to the 25% tax bracket or the you know, 28, 33% tax bracket, it becomes even more imperative that you take advantage of those tax deductible accounts. So for 401ks, the maximum you can put in is 18,000 per year. And this is above and beyond what your employer puts in. So sometimes people will tell me, oh, Sophia, I'm maxing out my 401k because they think, oh, my my employer will only contribute 5% and I'm contributing 5%. So I'm contributing the max. What's what's great is that you're getting the the match that's available to you, but there's there's a huge um, margin that you could still be contributing to your 401k account. So if she's not maxing it out, I would say... um, Take a look at increasing the contributions to your 401k. And then I love HSAs. Uh, I think they're one of the best tax vehicles and even retirement vehicles for millennials. So there's some financial planners that are actually recommending HSAs and, and using them as like another IRA because they have a triple tax benefit. So the money you put into an HSA is uh, pre-tax dollars. When you use the dollars for medical qualified medical expenses, you use them tax-free. And um, that money can then be invested. So any money left over stays in the account. Once it's more than a couple thousand dollars, you can invest that money. It grows. And when you withdraw it in retirement, you don't have to um, pay taxes on that as well. I didn't know about that third whammy. Oh my gosh. So as, yeah, so it's really pretty exciting. All of the, all of the, it is the triple threat. (laughs) Yes. And people don't really realize that yet. Um, you can put up to $3,350 per year in an HSA if you are single and have your own high deductible healthcare plan. So an HDHP and you can put up to, um, I think it's $6,750 for a family plan this year. Double check um, the number on that. The, the other thing is some employers are contributing to that as well. So they'll actually give you, you know, $500 or $1,000 if you choose that plan. Um, because it's it's more affordable for your employer as well. The third part of the question in terms of, you know, wanting to know about a financial advisor in Florida, um, there's a couple different places she can search for that. So one is, do you want to meet with somebody in person? And if you do, you can search by zip code um, on the NAPFA website, which is N-A-P-F-A. NAPFA is the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors. And they're a team of fee-only financial planners across the country. And they do a zip code search. So you enter your zip code, and then they find a list of fee-only financial advisors in your area. Now, if you want to work with somebody virtually, which is how I work with my clients. I have clients all across the country. So some in New York and Texas, Minnesota, California, Florida, you know, Ohio, all over. I think that that could be a good option as well. There's a team of, uh, there's a network called the XY Planning Network, which Farnoosh knows about. And um, it's great because it's a team of, it's a network of 
fee-only financial planners that are geared towards younger clients. So Gen X and Gen Y clients, they're all across the country. So some of them, you may be able to find somebody in your area, or you may decide to search virtually or by the type of financial planner you're looking for that specializes in in you. So there's people that specialize in engineers or lawyers or young clients or entrepreneurs. So I think those are two really good places to start in terms of looking for a financial planner. Yeah, I think what's great about XY planning too is the financial planners that are associated with that network are pretty flexible, more so than you would find at traditional financial you know, wealth management firms um, where they are strictly all about the you know the percentage fee of your underlying assets there at XY planning you might find an advisor who says you know what let's just do it by the hour let's just do it by the month let's have a retainer it's a lot more affordable and I think they're willing to work with you based on where you're at financially as opposed to the strict fee schedule so love that about XY planners and you of course Sophia so Good luck. Hope that you, you know, get to save some money next year. Put more money back in your pocket. Okay. We have time for one more question, Sophia. Are you up for it? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. This is from Nina and she says, Hey, Farnish, I'm looking to start a 529 for my two-year-old. I want to know how to find a 529. I know there are plenty to choose from and that you are not restricted by state, which makes the choices even more vast. So how do I narrow it down and figure out which is best for us? Well, I think if you live in New York, you should do that one because I think in certain states like New York, you there is a tax benefit to contributing to a 529. The contributions can lower your taxable income. So there's that. And of course, historically, the New York fund has done very well for parents and um, students who have 529s. But what would you say to Nina? She seems uh, overwhelmed. Yeah, I think that you're spot on, Farnoosh. So the first thing you should check is, does the state that you live in offer a state tax deduction or any sort of incentive for choosing your own state's 529 plan? So if they do, I think that you should look at that plan first and take a look at what the fees are, what the tax credit is, or what the the tax deduction is, and check that out. Because that can really make a big difference in terms of lowering the amount of state taxes that you have to pay. Especially, like you mentioned, if you're in a state like New York and you're a New York resident, um, you can get up to $10,000 deducted on your state taxes by contributing that to a 529 plan, which is fantastic. Um, And on top of that, I would take a look at, there's a website called Saving for College, and they do a... And every year they run different uh, a different analysis on the, the 529 plans across the country and they rank them by a bunch of different things. And one of them are, you know, is performance. Another one is the fee structure. Another one is, you know, there's all these different factors that go into this list. But look at the ones that consistently are on some of these, you know, top five financial or top five 529 plans or, you know, those types of things, because they've usually have really low fees and a long term, um, you know, over the long term have done uh, fairly well. So New York is actually one of my go to uh, 529 plans. I really like that they have a variety of different Vanguard funds that you can invest in. And the expense ratio on those funds is extremely low. So that's something that I look for. Uh, I have a lot of clients in New York, so I recommend it to those. And then I also recommend it to my clients outside of New York that are interested in starting a 529 plan. Um, Virginia has a, a vest plan 
that's pretty good. Um, there's, there's a couple different ones out there that are consistently top performers and, um, or consistently in the top of these lists year over year. So I would check that out. Um, but make sure that if you do get a state tax deduction, that you take advantage of that because that can often, you know, way outweigh the slightly higher fees you might be paying to go with your own state plan. And good for you, good mom for starting young with these 529 plans. And you will, Absolutely. you know, every little penny will help by the time your child is ready for school. We just started a, a 529 for Evan, actually a little bit before he was born and it's already got $20,000 in it. And I was telling my husband, that's if you were to go to school today, that's that's significant. That's at least half a semester. <laughs> and he laughed. It's like, that's kind of sad that it would only pay for half a semester. The point is we got to keep saving, but it can add up very quickly. So good luck to you. And Sophia, thank you so much for stopping by. You have some exciting news to share as well. You have uh, a course that's forthcoming. Yeah, I'm really excited, Farnish, because I have been saying for the past year that I really want to build out a course for my for um, the Gen Y planning community. I've been building my newsletter list the past year and um, just uh, decided that I'm going to put together a course on retirement planning for millennials. So if anybody is interested in learning more about retirement planning, um, the course is going, you can get on the wait list. The course will probably be coming out sometime this summer, but to get on the wait list, if you go to genyplanning.com backslash waitlist, you can put your email address in and we'll keep you up to date on um, where we are and building out the course and when it's launching. And um, hopefully you can get a, a really great discount on, on buying it early as well. So lots of exciting things there. Okay. I'm going to check it out. I might even go out get on that wait list myself. Yay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sophia, thank you so much. Happy tax weekend. Hopefully you're all done, right? You you're, you filed. I, did you file an extension? I am. I actually just, no, I don't do mine myself. People ask me that. I'm like, no, like I do everybody else's finances all day. The last thing I want to do is my own taxes on the weekends, right? <laughs> um, no, I have a great CPA and she just sent me everything electronically and I just electronically signed everything yesterday. So um, those are all sent in and I'm, I'm happy about that. So this year they were on time. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're really happy that you were able to stop by and don't be a stranger. Come back again soon. Yay! Have a great weekend. And everyone, thanks so much for tuning in. If you have a question for an upcoming Ask Farnoosh episode, which is every Friday, head over to somoneypodcast.com and click on Ask Farnoosh. And that's the best way for us to connect. And I hope your weekend, whether you're filing your taxes or not, is so money. <laughs> <laughs>